In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds. Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the geek culture podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us and a happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. You get to say happy Friday, Brett. That's the first, I think it's the first time ever. It's great. Um, so I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television. And if I could have an X-Men power, I would obviously want Jean Grey's power, but without killing people. I am Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And my mutant power would be to sleep all the time. Which actually, I have that power. So I was about good. to say, all's good. <laughs> Don't got to be a mutant here. for that. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games, and the obscure mutant power I want is the ability to eat endless tacos without gaining weight. I mean, technically, Mystique could do that. Or Deadpool. You... You'd be Deadpool. I would love to be Deadpool if that yeah. was the power. Absolutely. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Uh, new episodes of The Mothership are available every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. And uh, if you happen to be on Apple, it would be really great if you could leave us a rating or review. Uh, by doing that, you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we actually read your review and shout out your username or your real name if you choose to leave it on the show. Um and we also like to get feedback about what you want to see on the show going forward. And it's helped us find episodes in the past. So it's all upside for you. Uh, don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send us an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. But let's get on to the main topic. This week, a dark phoenix is rising. Here's a clip. Ladies and gentlemen of NASA, this is Charles Xavier. Help is on the way. We're doing space missions now. Cool. We get the astronauts, we bring them home. Go. The heat signature's rising fast. We gotta get out of here. Where's Jean? Where is she? Jean! She should be dead. Did you hear what the kids are calling you? Phoenix. Hello, Jean. Who are you? The better question is, who are you? Something's happening to me. When I lose control, bad things happen. But it feels good. That power destroyed everything it ever came into contact with. Until you. The X-Men fear you. And what they fear, we seek to destroy. That was from the film Dark Phoenix, the fourth X-Men film of this current run that started with the promising 2011 film X-Men First Class, followed by Days of Future Past and 2016's Unfortunate X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, I'm the one doing your intro and going to be interviewing Brian and Brett about the movie because Brett actually went and saw it. 
Finally. Got a babysitter or something. Yes. Convinced his wife to babysit and got himself to a screening, which I could not attend because I was moving this weekend. Um, so Brian and Brett have seen the film. They have many thoughts. The movie stars Game of Thrones alum Sophie Turner's Jean Grey. It's based on the classic X-Men storyline, the Dark Phoenix saga, which you likely saw before in the completely horrific X-Men The Last Stand released 13 years ago when Famke Janssen was playing Jean Grey. Um, so we're going to talk about the film. We will spoil what happens in the movie. So if you want to avoid that, watch the movie first and then return here to listen to our thoughts. So like light spoilers, light spoilers. Yeah, we won't go too nothing crazy. that earth shattering happens in this movie. I mean, like, do you even care about being spoiled for movies? spoilers? Not really. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, we probably should spoil it just so you can avoid it. Really. Yeah, we're talking about it. All right. So let's dig in. What did you guys think of the movie, Brian? Uh, it's not great. I mean, it is, you know, there's many problems with it. Um, one of the things it's like, it assumes you know who all these people are because like I, people just start doing stuff and they have powers and they do things, but like you have no introductions to anything. So if this is like your first X-Men movie, which quite possibly it is because, you know, it, there's no X-Men in the title. Maybe you take, maybe you take a date to go see it and they're like, oh, what's this Dark Phoenix thing? You know, the girl, the girl from Game of Thrones is in it. Let's go see. You know, you don't know who any of these people are and like there's no real introductions and. There's characters that just kind of do things that just don't do other, you know, they're just kind of there. Um, it's just, it's just middling. It's just mediocre. And, and it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a shame, but it's also fitting for a franchise that like it's stuck into 2000s and it's just kind of like only, only kind of like certain times has it like gone beyond like just kind of complete mediocrity. Brett, you are a very intense X Men fan, which is how you got you know, dragged yourself to see this movie. What did you think? Um, I was extremely disappointed, but at the same time, I wasn't surprised because the second I saw the trailer for Dark Phoenix, I knew it was going to be bad because apparently, you know, the creators didn't learn 13 years ago from The Last Stand that you can't do this storyline in one movie. It just doesn't work. There's a lot of character development that went into it. There's a lot of background leading up from, you know, in the comics, Jean Grey dying, coming back as a phoenix, and then making the turn. You can't cover it in under two hours, which is what Dark Phoenix was. And there's just too much there. And there are so many relationships that played into her making this turn from Phoenix to Dark Phoenix that it just I feel like with these X-Men movies, um, there's too much emphasis on the characters and these cool powers and not about them as individuals that are trying to navigate having these powers and, and being in a society where everybody hates them. And I feel like they've kind of given that. Over, they've kind of given that a backseat compared to just here's the cool stuff and potentially cool action sequences. But even then, like the action sequences weren't that exciting. There was one that felt like the last stand all over again. And I'm like, am I watching just a movie from 13 years ago? Um, but yeah, it's just there, there's too much to tackle in one film. And so everything just felt very superficial. And I, yeah, again, I'm disappointed. But knowing the story, I'm not surprised at all that it wasn't good. This is the same guy who did it, who did it both times. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. Couldn't get it to right this first. He even say, he even told me, he's like, we knew the first one was bad. I was going to do it again. And then the second one's still bad. What's that thing about uh, trying the same thing multiple times and expecting different results? Exactly. It, it, I mean, That's it's... the definition of insanity, isn't it? Colloquially. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're going to feel insane after you watch this freaking movie. Like, it's it's really... And, and as an X-Men fan, it's so disappointing because... 
you know, there was a period in time where the X-Men were kind of Marvel's A team and the Avengers were kind of the B team. And because of the movies, I think it's flipped completely. Avengers are way far ahead, like an A team. And X-Men have been relegated to this middle level. And I think part of it is these movies. I feel like, again, like I've said, there's so much nuance with these characters that's interesting. Like take Nightcrawler, for example. Like he's, you know, he's got this cool teleportation ability and all this fun stuff. But he's also this character that looks very different. People look at him like he's the devil and he can't go out in public. And in the comic books, he has this special tool that allows him to look like a human being. So he's got religious like, issues. There's so much there. And you get none of that. It's just, oh, cool blue guy can teleport and, you know, do stuff with his tail. Great. It's always been a huge disappointment to me that Alan Cumming only got to play Nightcrawler once in X2. And he's so good at it. And you learn all that about his role in that movie. And then the teen Nightcrawler shows up and it's just like, hey, what's up? Whatever. Yeah. And I feel like these movies and I, I think, it, you know, Days of Future Past, I'm kind of off and on with that one. Since Apocalypse, I feel like they've just been going through like an X-Men checklist of let's get characters in as a, oh, good, Psylocke's here, check. Here's Archangel, check. Here's so-and-so, check. And there's no thought or reason. If you look at, and like before I saw Dark Phoenix, I saw Apocalypse and then I saw Endgame. And the one thing that jumps out is all the characters in Avengers have been placed in these set of movies with a purpose and they have a reason behind them and they have a good backstory and you get a real sense of where they come from. In X-Men, it just feels like, let's just throw them in because we haven't gotten them in a movie yet. And we can check that off the list. And that's it. And you don't get anything beyond that. It's just all about what they can do in terms of their abilities as opposed to who they are as an individual. Yeah, there are lots of characters in the MCU who don't have abilities. You know, I think uh, Okoye springs to mind as a great character inserted into Black Panther and the Avengers movies who is not there just to look cool. Yeah, absolutely. So we touched on this, but um, what do we think compared specifically to Last Stand, which is the infamously Brett Ratner directed X-Men film, um, technically the third one after the original X-Men and then X2? Um, if not for Sophie Turner and the really bad juggernaut costume from Last Stand, I would say Dark Phoenix is bottom. But Sophie Turner, I think, did a really great job. And I think that was one of the kind of the difference makers for me. But again, Dark Phoenix is definitely, in terms of all the X-Men movies, definitely near the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I think it's marginally better with Sophie Turner. I think, you know, kind of, she is by far the best thing. And she seems to be like the only thing people even cared about with this movie because everything else is just kind of like, like whatever, you know, let's just throw people in there and have them do things. Um, I think Last Stand was egregious because it was essentially the B-plot of a bad movie that was really about a mutant cure, you know, and it's just like, the thing, the thing about it is, and I'll you know, kind of this goes into kind of why this this saga is so hard to bring into film is you have to be wholly invested in the characters. When it happened in the comics, people had spent like years reading their adventures and getting to know them. So when the biggest heel turn in superhero history comes, it's a gut punch. You you know you don't do it in the span of a movie. You know, Sophie Sophie Turner was in was a a part of of X Men Apocalypse. She wasn't even like the main character. There's like 20 bazillion characters in that movie. She plays a role, a big role, but she's not like, you know, she's not like Magneto or Professor X. And then you're all of a sudden, there's a turn to this where she's got to be the whole movie. No, it doesn't work. And then it, it, did, it didn't even work with, with X-Men The Last Stand where you that was the third movie and you actually got to know the characters a lot better. 
still didn't feel right. So it's just like, and, and the stakes are so small and it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't understand the, the, why the saga was great, which is, which is a shame because it is, it's a, for me, it's the best X-Men storyline ever of all time. One of the best comic book storylines of ever, all of all time. So, and it's just like, they don't even get the part where you have to be invested in these characters for it to work, which is like the, the you know, the central juice of it. Do you think that, you know, we'll probably talk about this again at the end of the podcast, but do you think that now that Disney owns X-Men and they might show up on Disney Plus where they're investing a lot of money in their shows, do you think that this is something that could be better um, adapted to television as opposed to film? I definitely think so. I mean, we've seen some proof that a lot of the mutant kind of centric X-Men centric stuff can work on TV like we have Legion. Um, I think there's one other, one or two other shows that have been on FX. I mean, I loved Gifted on Fox. But Gifted, no that's it. it. Yeah. But, you know, it's clear that, you know, it can work on TV, definitely. And it would be interesting to see an X-Men universe where they combine the movie and the TV together and try to do something with that. I think you could definitely pull something off with that. Um, I feel like with Dark Phoenix, like the best thing I could think of comparatively is... This is like taking Infinity War and Endgame and trying to cram it all into one two-hour movie. Mm. It, there's no way it's going to happen. Yeah. It, there's too much to do. You wouldn't get any of that character relationship stuff that you got in Endgame in those movies without a lot of the other stuff kind of planting the seed. And, you know, you, you just see that develop. I mean, one of the big relationships in Dark Phoenix Saga is Cyclops and Jean Grey because he's the one that kind of keeps her grounded as she's trying to deal with this supernatural like energy inside her and she's trying to keep control and the other part of it too is you know part of the thing that made it so shocking is she went from this hero to literally like a mass murderer like i think she takes out an entire planet in the comic book so you can't just ta- you know and they don't even get into that in this movie but it's just there's so many layers to this story that you pretty much are glossing over for this two hours and that's a big problem. The other big problem I found too was the villain in the movie was awful. And is that Jessica Chastain? Yeah, Jessica Chastain's character, who I was talking to Brian before the show, I couldn't even figure out what her name was because I don't think it they, doesn't matter. Yeah, well, it, it definitely really does not matter. But and it's a small thing. But yeah, she's just and it's funny because Jean Grey. There's a there's a moment where the this we're getting a little spoilery here, but there's a moment where uh, Jessica Chastain's character is trying to recruit Jean Grey and kind of get her on her side now that she has this power. And it's like, she doesn't even introduce herself. She doesn't say her name or anything, but just says, I can help you control your power. And Jean's great. It's like, sure, okay. And it's like, that's it? <laughs> like, in the comics, it took, like, months and months of, like, getting into her head to, like, kind of sway her this way. And here it's like, she's in a bar talking for two minutes, and it's done. And she's turned, like, you know, trying to go dark now. So it's just, yeah, to wait. I mean, it just, it, it feels like they could have just done so much more. I, I, I mean, I don't think, that, I, don't, I don't foresee this. A third time happening. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, I think I think Disney Plus is going to be the it's going to be the old folks' home for for MCU characters. I, I think it might have some X Men stuff, but I mean the, Disney's smart enough to know that X Men can make money if it has to, so they're not going to waste it on TV. They're going to put them on. They're going to put them in the MCU. I think it's going to be kind of a, a gradual thing that they they go to they get to some. Avengers X-Men crossover like li- down the line and that's kind of like their end game you know let's say end game yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're five, in the end five game or six, now yeah five or six years from now um, but you know, they're not going to waste them on TV but I think 
they've learned their lesson, I think, you know, that, or, you know, I think they could, Disney probably could under, you know, they could probably pull off a Dark Phoenix storyline because they get the point of like, oh, we need to have people invest in these characters. We need, the relationships are more important than the powers. You know, their, their people's places in the world are, are, are integral. They get that. But I, th- I think they're going to be gun shy about doing it again because, again, this is the second time and still hasn't, you know, taken. The other thing I worry about, too, is we've twice seen Dark Phoenix or a variation of it in the movies. And I think people will kind of already get a sense of what's going to happen. So there's no surprise involved. Whereas something with Infinity War Endgame, like if you read comics, you kind of had a sense, but they still had enough tricks to pull where you didn't know it was coming. And I guess they could do that with Dark Phoenix, but I think you kind of know how the end goes. So I don't know if it's going to really capture people. I think they might have to go with something completely different. Well, the MCU also wouldn't do the Dark Phoenix saga like the Dark Phoenix saga. It would use pieces of it. Yeah. But it would create something totally new because that's the, you know, that's what they do. You know, civil, their civil war was not civil war from (laughs) from the comics. It was essentially, you know, that, you know, the big picture kind of stuff is there, but they made it their own and they would make Dark Phoenix their own. But it, I don't think it would be like the comics, which, you know, could be good, could be get, could be bad. Um, so was there anything in this movie that you guys actually liked? Sophie Turner. <laughs> She's great. I like Fassbender. He's I, he's a good Magneto. I really like him. I like his I like him. I the you know, this whole arc has been about Professor X and Magneto's relationship. And they kind of it just felt kind of this textbook. Oh, we disagree on something. Let's fight. It, what an interesting thing they do do is they make kind of Xavier a antagonist yes which is which you know kind of it does a lot of stupid things but that's kind of one of the interesting things that it does it flips their dynamic a little bit where xavier's kind of like this ego-driven jerk who kind of like he doesn't it, you know the people the people around him don't matter it's about kind of like him his standing as almost a politician you know kind of in, in the world whereas magneto is kind of like He's off in Genosha, like having like this kind of mutant utopia under, you know, you know, kind of independent state. All's good. And then he hears somebody, you know, somebody kills somebody close to him. And then he's like, you know, Old Testament. Let's let's go. Let's go take him out. But, you know, he's a lot kind of more on the hero side than he usually is. That was supposed to be Genosha. Yeah. Did they say that at all in the movie? I, I think it was in the credits. I think it was assumed, like, like if you read the con, like I assumed it was Genosha, just but not like an island in the you know the Caribbean or wherever the. This know, is, or I'm thinking Madripoor. Um, yeah. Or I'm you know it's it's different from from the the comics, but it's supposed to be kind of like this place where like mutants can run their own government. You know, no one touches them. Oh, this is why this movie drives me nuts. It's stuff like that. Oy. But did you know any of those people were that with him? I mean, apparently they no. were from the comics, but like I didn't know who they were, and it doesn't. It didn't really matter. Didn't, no one had names. Even the heroes in this film do not have names. No, they're they just people with powers. Quicksilver is literally just a dude who, like, a chillax speedster who runs around a lot and does one cool thing in a movie. He doesn't really, really have a name. They lean a lot on people who have read the comics, hoping they can figure it all out. But a- anyone else who doesn't read X Men, you're like, what the hell's going on? And I mean. And uh, there's so much to to go over. Mystique, I thought, too, they handled very poorly through the course of this whole thing. But especially this movie, it was like, you know, she's supposed to be this awesome assassin who can transform into anybody. And then starting with Apocalypse up till this movie, again, she's basically her only abilities are to give speeches and to turn into Jennifer Lawrence. And that's which is a helpful superpower. (laughs) Not too shabby. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's it's, great. I mean, if you want an Oscar. 
<laughs> I feel bad for Rebecca Romaine, who, you know, either was in the blue makeup or that one scene next to where she plays herself because she's like transforming into like a random hot chick to seduce that guy. Um, she had to wear so much more blue makeup or just not be on the movie. And then Jennifer Lawrence is like, well, I'll just be in every scene. But at least that was Mystique the character. Yeah. This other Mystique is just like some weird like anti-hero hybrid, not the character from the comics. Let's do something different. But they, again, they don't understand. So this is technically the last of the X-Men movies that we know and love. Technically, all of them have been. I wouldn't go love, love. That's, that's some trash. people love. love, love. Some people love all the love right yeah. here, friends. But it's all connected to what started in with the movie Just X Men in 2000 with Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, and Hugh Jackman. Um, and it's all sort of ending because of the Disney Fox deal. Um, we think. We think. You know, who knows if Fox would have kept making them connected like this? If oh, they, they would have. You think so? Yeah, just to keep just to keep the license. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Fantastic Four. Remember that? <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Um, so how do we feel about this sort of being the conclusion to actually 19 years of movies? If you go back and think about it, God, it feels like 19 years. Um, I mean, again, like I said, you know, it's fitting because this is a franchise that is still really stuck in the early 2000s when it comes to like, you know, superhero storytelling, and it's the definition of mediocre for me. I think it's sad considering that a lot of the themes and concepts that X-Men have covered are very timely in this period of time politically yeah. and other things. Um, I think there are a lot of people that can relate to a lot of the issues that a lot of these characters deal with. Feelings of acceptance, tolerance, being able to live as your true self without other people hating you or judging you for that. And I feel like that these movies could have done a lot more in that area to portray that and they didn't i said it earlier i feel like at times the directors and writers were more concerned about what cool powers can we show off instead of how can we treat these people as people and dealing with a lot of the human issues that marvel comics have always talked about and that just regular people deal with and it's just unfortunate that x-men couldn't do that and i'm hoping when they do get into mcu that they try to do more of that that is why that is the reason why you're not going to see X-Men on TV. That's why they're going to save them for the movies because you know they've had years to to think about this. And the, you know what you know what happens when we get the X-Men back. Um and they probably knew they were going to get them back for like probably a year or so. So I mean they've had all this time to figure that out and like like you said kind of like the world's getting more and more up and more more and more the kind of the 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 issues of X-Men become timely again just as they were in the 60s and 70s and everything. So they're going to they're going to make the hay out of that. I mean they're going to they're going to put those on on a big screen. Yeah, so speaking of that, what do we think Disney's going to do with it? So Brian thinks they're coming back to the screen. Do you have a prediction of when? I mean, I like I said, I think I think it's going to it's going to be gradual. I don't think they're going to be like, you know, at the end of Spider-Man this this summer, I don't think the X-Men are just going to randomly show up in the in the end credit scene or something. I think it's going to be gradual. I think you you there are some hints, hints to, you know, mutant abilities, people being mutants. We we don't Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are mutants in the comic books, but in the in the MCU, they are given their powers by the you know by an Infinity Stone. Um, I think you need to you need to first introduce the concept of, of mutations and things like that, and then gradually like kind of build that out and to kind of like and seed it through the you you don't have to see it you know you don't have to use one film or or two films you can see it through all all just kind of like 
you know, in news little newscasts that you hear, just kind of like in people talking, and you, you see it very subtly, and then, you know, kind of like, you know, down the line, like, you know, three or four movies have a mutant character, and just kind of, you know, build gradually, you know, toward an X-Men movie down the line, or just kind of like, maybe not even an X-Men movie, but just kind of like, oh, these are the X-Men, they're going to, you know, we, we're introducing them now, they're going to have to deal with the Avengers, and we're going to have a throwdown. Yes, maybe. See, that's the other thing. I don't even talk about that because it is. Spo- it, I mean, it's moved around so much. It's right now. It's in April or something. Yeah. But who knows if it's actually going to be released? So technically, there is another mutant movie on Disney's slate now, which is New Mutants, which is a horror take on uh, mutants and not really like the X Men, but just mutants. Um, that has been pushed back a whole bunch of times. And it's like, it's kind of like me with Apple TV. Like, I don't really believe it exists. Um, do we think it's just going to get pushed back into obscurity or Disney's going to redo it or what? I think especially after the way Dark Phoenix is being received, I wonder if they just say, let's let's just stop here and rethink this whole thing. It probably all depends on what is in it. Yeah. If it is all new characters, people we have not seen before, and if it's not a total shit show, and you know there's something to be to be mined from there, I think you 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 retrofit that into the MCU, and you say you know kind of this is the first MCU horror film, this is the first time we see mutants, and then you you tack on some in credit scene or something where you connect it to something else, Spider Man. You know, that would make sense considering these are teenage characters. It is coming right after a Spider-Man movie. Or if you're really smart, then you put an end credit scene on Spider-Man with new some, with some new, new mutants, mutants in, and then you can connect that. That's if you're smart. And if and if there's something usable in this film. If this film is very much like they're talking about like Jean Grey and Wolverine, and they're dropping like, you know, they've dropped a lot of seeds into the Fox universe. Then yeah, I I think you either don't you either just release it to the wolves and you know it is what it is, or you just you know I don't know I don't, I don't Disney really doesn't like just pull things and yeah. just release it on demand or something. So I don't I'm not sure. Maybe. It could get banished to TV like Inhumans was or Hulu or Hulu. I mean yeah, they now own yeah Hulu, it won't so. go on Disney Plus because it's not family friendly and Net- Netflix it won't because. No, Disney is done with uh, Netflix. So Hulu, who? I mean, honestly, Hulu would probably be a good place for it because because um, Runaways are there too. So. That's where the FX content is going to go. Yeah. So it honestly, I could see it being a made for Hulu movie. I've seen this theory uh, thrown around online, but one that I think makes sense is maybe starting the mutant stuff around Eternals when that movie comes out. Um, so. You know, because you still have, what, another Spider-Man coming out. You're probably going to have another Black Panther. You get another Guardians. So I feel like there's loose ends that they still want to tie with what's going on now. And once they get to Eternals, I think there's your, your maybe yeah. your opening to reboot a little bit. And then you can start getting into the mutant stuff. And then maybe that's your entry point. So Well, because they, they f***ed up in humans. So what they could do. Royally. Royally. Um, what they could do is is kind of like rejigger the, the Eternals concept a little bit and perhaps have that be the kind of the thing that like creates mutancy or kind of you know, just kind of like that creates the x somehow they create they're responsible for the x gene mm-hmm. and then you kind of go from there i don't that's that's uh, it takes a lot it's a lot of storytelling gymnastics so, so i don't know i don't i'm not sure how well this is going to work i'm not even sure how the eternals are work, work in general yeah that's going to that's going to be a stretch 
Um, I think I think if again, it all kind of depends on new mutants and how how much that they can kind of like figure some stuff out. I I feel like if that movie's already kind of like okay, and it kind of it it goes a little bit more youth than you know like like a Spider Man does. Why not use that? Why not use that as kind of like a, a starting point, and then you know use that kind of like almost as like Iron Iron Man template where you have something at the at the end that like connects it to to everything else. So as we say goodbye to Fox's X Men, uh, what is our favorite? Or film? good riddance. I, or good, good riddance. Yeah, definitely. Or good riddance. We could, we could play any number of pop songs. Um, <laughs> uh, what's our favorite X Men film of all time? I'll start. Uh, mine is X2, and it always has been, although it's a little weird now that it was because it was directed by Brian Singer. In retrospect, I don't know if I'm ready to rewatch it, but it, I had always felt that it was the only movie that understood how to make them a team. Yeah, I agree. I think X2 is the best one. I feel, again, it had, in terms of trying to develop the characters, I think it was the best going from one point to the next point. First Class was really good, but I think the transition to the next movie was really jarring. Mm-hmm. And I think that X2 did a way better job of trying to tie all the threads together in terms of how all these characters were interacting together. X2 is the best villain, hands down. Absolutely. For a team movie, I think that's the best. I think the best X movie is Logan. Yeah. Because I think that, I mean, it, that, that, it, I mean, it's almost the kind of the Black Panther of the X Men movies because it ties into like a bigger thing, but it's also like totally its own thing and like it owns its own thing in a way like no, no other of those films could. All right. Well, that will do it for us this week. Um, but first, we want to know uh, are you going to go see Dark Phoenix? What is your favorite X Men film? And what do you want to see in future films or potentially television shows? Uh, let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet at us individually. I'm at KLALS, K-L-A-W-L-S. I'm at Brett Molina 23. I'm at Brian Truitt. Uh, and don't forget, you can email us too. Um, we're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and you don't want to miss a single episode going forward, you can totally subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, we would really, really, really appreciate you leaving us a review. Helps other people find the show, and then there's more for us to talk about. Uh, But if Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Until next Friday, nerds out. Later. Bye-bye.